And we're back. Uh, this week we are talking about Pierce Brosnan's uh, third outing as uh, James Bond in The World Is Not Enough, or uh, Twine, as I have it abbreviated in my notes. <laughs> and uh, I'm just, uh, I'm going to come right out and say it. this is not a good movie. No. Yeah, so uh, full full disclosure, we, we watched this yesterday, and I... When I watch movies, uh, specifically for this podcast, I try to pay full attention. I believe I was checking Twitter, newsfeed, every <laughs> few minutes. Not because anything interesting was happening in the world, but because I was so bored with this movie. It was shockingly uh, bad, and not, and not in a good way. The, no. We've watched Bond movies that are bad to the point of entertaining, but this was not that. Betsy, what do you think? Um, I thought it really um, came out flat in a lot of the um, the areas, especially with the female actresses on there. The um, I don't know it was just it was very laughable. And you got to be kidding me that this made it to to the fi final because it was um, yeah I was bored out of my mind. I got up about what an hour into it to make dinner because I was done. Like I couldn't, I couldn't stick to it anymore. I'm like, I need to make dinner. It was, it was a better, it was a better use of. Uh oh. <laughs> Sorry, cat. my cat was trying to eat my headphones. Uh, <laughs> Poor cat. She hit the table with them down. Uh, she'll be fine. Um. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, what in the world just happened? Somehow. By touching nothing, we just opened another window, but we're still recording. All right. God may or may not want us to record today. We will find out shortly. Um, our house may be possessed by a poltergeist. Um, so uh, this this movie is... It's not bad enough that I would call it the worst James Bond movie. It's not good enough that I would call it good. This is so mediocre... I would avoid this movie like the plague. Uh, if, if you want to see this movie, watch trailers of it. You'll get the best parts, I assure you. Uh, if, if you're watching it from a historical standpoint, sure. Don't expect a good movie. Don't expect an entertaining movie. Just don't, don't go in with any expectations whatsoever. Yeah. So... Betsy, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a challenge real quick while I pick up my headphones so they're close to me so the cat can't get to them, uh -huh. uh, and I have to rush over and react. Uh, what was something that you saw that you did like? I know it's challenging. Yes. Dig see. deep. What did I like? Uh, um, I kind of thought the boat at the beginning was cool. Um. It did some ridiculous things like that you pointed out, but um, I don't know. I thought it was just a cool little one-person boat. Uh, so. It's it's a neat gadget. <laughs> there are a lot of neat ideas. Uh, the way I explained this movie this morning, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get into my dissertation on what I ultimately find wrong with this movie. Um, outside of being bored, this movie felt like. This movie felt like Midlife Crisis the movie. She's fine. Uh, I've got a million of those yeah. cords. If she Our just... cats are into everything right now. Yeah. <laughs> them, 
they missed us, but not enough to actually in, engage us. They're <laughs> trying to get into our stuff. Um, but this this movie, uh, it felt like I'm I'm a man who is uh, middle aged. I'm wanting to chase uh, beautiful women. I'm wanting to drive expensive fancy cars and, and do fancy things and it's every bit as lazy as that fantasy is um it gives no thought to the the women behind the the bodies that that are being objectified um remotely in other movies they at least give a shell of a character to a woman even if she's just there to be objectified not even a shadow of that in this film uh it even the stunts just felt obligatory none of it felt like anyone was having a good time yeah and ultimately as the viewer i found myself getting angry yeah um we'll get I mean, into you kept yelling at it at different parts during the acting you kept yelling at like saying please stop talking please stop talking <laughs> yes um we'll get into that more as we yeah. get into the movie proper but this this movie's a shame because there's some really good ideas. There's some neat potential in this movie. And it is squandered left and right. And one of the great tra tragedies of this film is it's the last appearance of Desmond Llewellyn as Q. And, and we get an on-screen farewell to Q and it should be in a better movie. And it's in this one. Yeah. And it's just so sad. And, and Maybe that's why everybody seems so sad in this movie no they'd already finished <laughs> shooting the movie Before there's he no died. <laughs> yes there's no reason that 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 should be the case yeah. but it it's just bad it's i we'll we'll get into it more in in just a minute we're kind of stalling right now because we're recording our preamble before you throw some stuff in the oven yeah. but i i see pierce brosnan seems to be kind of in a funk and in the meantime uh the oh what's her name uh and i'm already blanking on the character's electric king uh seems to be feeding off of him and so you're getting kind of a stilted performance from the two of them denise richards seems to be playing a barbie doll playing uh a nuclear physicist in a Barbie movie in a James Bond movie acted out by 12 year old acted out by 12 year old <laughs> and it's not good at all not, not remotely I owe Terry Hatcher an apology after last week saying that she was miscast she acts circles around Denise Richards <laughs> in this film and I stand by the fact that I don't believe she gave a great performance in, in Tomorrow Never Dies. I don't even think she gave a good performance. Denise Richards gave such a bad performance that if if there is an anti-Oscar, I guess the Razzie, she deserves 12 of them for this role. <laughs> and she deserves to get 12 of them a year, every year, and told, don't ever do that ever again. Yeah. Because it is that bad. Uh, and I know that she has the potential to act. Um, she was in the film Starship Troopers, in which she actually gave a pretty good performance. Mm -hmm. um, it just never takes off in this film. She never 
connects with you on any emotional level, on any character level. At no point do you remotely believe that this person, this person exists. Right. This, this is not a doctor. This is not a professional. This woman is a supermodel who is in this film to be eye candy. Yeah. And that is the only reason she is there. And she seemed miserable doing it. That's, I don't know that she seemed miserable, but she does not fit. She's, yeah. You know, if, one thing I kept thinking about during this movie was, you showed me a picture of a supermodel. Was it yesterday or the day before? Yes. And you said she she looks miserable. This is an awful picture. It's supposed to be, like, sexy and beautiful. Yes. But, like, why, is she, why does she look so... Um, she looks sad. like she hates everything. Yeah. I'm like, that's a, as the different things we're going through, and they show different people in times when they should be happier or whatever. That's what they made me think of is the supermodel that looked absolutely miserable. So I think I would, I would almost prefer that because that <laughs> would be emoting and, and it, that's mi- true. it might actually fit the scene. Yeah. She always had this grim smile on her face. Like, she looked like a psychopath on the way to killing someone. <laughs> yeah. And and congratulations, she succeeded. Yeah. She killed this movie. Every time she opened her mouth to talk, there was no emotion or anything behind it. Whatever was going on, I felt like if it was supposed to be something intense or anything, it was just flat. There was just no emotion, no fear, no nothing. It was just a line. And you could tell it was just a line. Yeah. Um, so... And, yeah, it was. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stop us right here. I'm gonna let you step away so you can okay. deal with stuff. Um, honestly, guys, I, I want to apologize to you. I don't like trash talking movies. I really don't. <laughs> it actually bothers me listening to people trash talk movies. So if you stick with us through this podcast, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your listenership. <laughs> Next week is going to be a lot more fun. It's a worse movie, arguably, but it is. I would say more enjoyable than this one. It's probably the one, one of them that I've seen the most with you. So, Not all the way through, but... So, guys, just bear with us. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Uh, much less time for you uh, as we okay. talk through the plot of The World Is Not Enough. All right, let's get this party started. So, we start off this movie uh, with David Arnold at the height of his powers, uh, returning from Tomorrow Never Dies, giving us a really good, upbeat Bond theme. We go to uh, Spain, where we find James Bond in glasses. Uh, And I'm like, uh, as someone who wears glasses, maybe you should try this on more often, Bond. It works for you. Uh, Bond goes up, uh, hands over his gun uh, to a Swiss banker and a bunch of cronies around. Uh, There are a lot of guns for a bank transaction, but go figure. Uh, Bond is being held at gunpoint as he's making an exchange of funds. Uh, He threatens all the bad guys, even though they have the advantage in this scene. Uh, He has a flashbang inside inside the clip of his other gun which goes off. Uh, he's able to take down everybody. Uh, the banker is killed uh, by the woman who offers Bond a cigar, obviously a supermodel in this film. Uh, <laughs> the police are on their way. 
<laughs> at this point, Bond jumps out of the top of the bank, and we get a jump with the world's longest set of blind cords. He ties himself <laughs> off to blinds, jumps out of, what, a fourth story window? Something like that. Using blind cords. Um, I believe it was Matt Gorley oh. and Matt Myra on uh, James Bonding who pointed out that uh, maybe... Maybe in Spain, it's common to, uh, as you're going for a siesta, to have your blind cords down at the uh, at street level so you can pull them. So when you get up there, the blinds are already drawn. <laughs> um, but these are ridiculously long blind cords that Bond literally sets down, sets his feet on the ground once he has gotten all the way to the uh, to the end of the cords length, and it's just. It tells you what you're in for for the rest of this film. <laughs> uh, we go back to MI6 where we meet Robert King, who uh, apparently is the owner of this money. Uh, and he's old, uh, M's old, in quotes, friend from Oxford, which I'm thinking is code for they had sex. Um, <laughs> after uh, Robert King leads, uh, Bond is playing with his bourbon uh, instead of drinking it and finds out something's wrong with it determines that there's something wrong with the money, uh, runs after King only to see the money explode along with King. Uh, at this point, the girl who offered uh, Bond a cigar and only a cigar, uh, even though Bond made some really inappropriate sexual advances at her, uh, tries to kill Bond. And I've got to be honest, it's kind of a natural response to someone who sexually harasses you after you <laughs> offered a cigar. Um, this is why I don't harass people who offer me things uh that and just general humanity <laughs> um bond steals q's boat uh bond uh has q yelling after him that it's not finished yet and we get a ridiculous boat chase uh it's cool but it quickly turns ridiculous yeah. um he, we get some really cool jumps and flips and speeding through the canals and uh, you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then it jumps up onto a road where Bond drives a boat. It doesn't have wheels. It's not a hovercraft. It is a boat. And he drives it for what has to be three miles yeah, across the land. Several blocks. He's making turns and stuff. It's and he's doing like 30 miles yeah. an hour. It, it doesn't slow down. He just keeps moving. Uh, and then he gets it back into the water and the boat's still able to float. I mean, even though he has just driven it over <laughs> multiple streets and, and it's, no, it's totally fine. Uh, he then jumps it, uh, up onto land after he shoots torpedoes after the cigar girl. Uh, and he hangs from a balloon over the Millennium Dome, uh, there in, uh, London. And, uh, the cigar girl, uh, decides she would rather kill herself than turn herself in. Uh, Bond is injured, and we go into Garbage's uh, song, The World Is Not Enough. Uh, this is such a middle-of-the-road Bond song that it deserves to be in this film. It's not good. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just... I The, the pun's there with the band name. Uh, it's too easy, so I'm not going to go for it. But it's... Uh, yeah, this, it just doesn't hit for me. The themes, uh, 
people being covered in oil. It just, it doesn't work for me. At least in the last one, we got some cool x-ray work and, and what they thought technology was going to look like. It's cheesy, but quaint and you kind of enjoy it. This is just, it's like the rest of the movie. It's there. It's there. It's, it's nothing to write home about. Uh, we get back, uh, and one of our cats is apparently having an asthma attack. Uh, all right. Still breathing. Seems to be fine. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're at uh, King's funeral. Bond uh, and M are in attendance. Bond in a sling after injuring his shoulder. Uh, we then go to MI6's Scottish uh, headquarters. And uh, we hear how King uh, was killed. Uh, his pen and the money effectively were a really complex bomb. Uh, they they give a bunch of techno babble for how it works, but basically, uh, the bomb was the money, the pen was the trigger. Uh, the two worked together, and it was just it was bad. The real pen was replaced, and this fake pen is what caused it. Uh, so we learned that Bond is off the case uh, until he passes uh, evaluation, uh, and he goes and seduces the nurse. Um, and just you just don't do guys don't don't just don't we've had this talk before but if you weren't listening before just don't <laughs> um we then go over to q branch and we get desmond llewellyn's final scenes as q um and we're introduced to john cleese as r who will be the future q uh, and John Cleese is very silly here. It's it's some good pratfall humor. And uh, I get sad at this scene with uh, Desmond Llewellyn leaving his cue. There's actually a, a featurette that was released on the World Is Not Enough VHS and the uh, World Is Not Enough DVD. Uh, it's a tribute to Q, and this scene is a part of it. And it makes me tear up every time. It's set to the... Uh, the song Nobody Does It Better from The Spy Who Loves Me. And uh, I get really uh, teary-eyed at this scene. I get even more teary-eyed now, realizing that this farewell is in this movie. He deserves such a better movie. It, it just... Uh, moving on. We're going to tr we're gonna try to just keep this going at a clip. Uh, <laughs> we get our BMW product placement. Um uh, Bond obsesses over Sophie Marceau. That's who's playing Electra King. Uh, uh, he obsesses over Electra King. Uh, M has concealed things uh, for plot reasons because that's how this movie's going to work. Uh, she didn't do the right thing uh, with Electra King's ransom. Uh, apparently, when uh, Electra King was being held hostage, instead of you know just paying the ransom. And was like, no, we got this, and and totally got some people killed. Uh, we come to find out that Renard, our villain in this film, has a bullet in his brain. Uh, but instead of you know taking away the ability to to uh, you know move, breathe, talk, not poop on yourself, <laughs> uh, things like that, uh, it takes away his ability to feel pain. He's very eloquent. I mean, he doesn't lose his ability to speak or think. Uh, and since it's going through his medulla oblongata, he actually stays very calm uh, when he should be freaking out because it's <laughs> going through his anger center. 
but he doesn't. He's just uh, very, very methodical in this film. Uh, and at this point, I go, uh, yeah, instead of being a vegetable, you're just a superhuman. That's cool. Maybe we should all get shot in the head. <laughs> Kids, don't try this at home. In the event that I needed to tell you that, it please that way. <laughs> go turn yourself into an adult, uh, a responsible adult, someone who thinks that being shot in the head is not a good thing. Anyhow, uh, we get a uh, we get an aerial shot of a remote controlled BMW, and surprise, surprise! Uh, whenever you see the BMW driving through the oil fields of Azerbaijan, that is not a real uh, BMW that is driving through. That is a about a 12 to 18 inch scale model of a BMW uh, being driven by a James Bond doll uh, via remote control. That's still unbelievable to me because it looked 100% real. I'm, I'm forgetful of the why. The only reason I even know of this is it was in a behind the scenes program where they were showing, hey, there are certain things we are and aren't able to do. So uh, we need to uh, we needed to figure out a way around actually shooting. And so this is what we came up with. And it's it's really good. If you didn't know what you were looking for, you would never catch it. Uh, but Bond catches up with uh, Electra, uh, who is bargaining with an Eastern Orthodox priest at a tiny little church. Uh, everyone is cheering, even though no one in the foreground is making a sound. Uh, if you are watching this film, watch the scene. And this ha happens several times in this movie. They're in a crowd of people. Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 200, 250 people, all packed around Pierce Brosnan and Sophie Marceau. They're all waving their arms, and they're supposed to be chanting, not a noise. Not one ounce of noise is actually coming from anybody on the screen. Yeah. Kind of weird. These people are supposed to be cheering. It is frightening. It is unsettling. Uh, and unintentionally so. Uh, Bond and Electra go skiing because it's a James Bond movie uh, to tour the pipeline. Uh, and then I uh, I noted here, one of the things I do love about this film, David Arnold's score, uh, he does some musical motifs in this scene that sounds so much like a John Barry score. It, uh, it feels right at home in a James Bond movie. Unfortunately, not this one. Uh, <laughs> So earlier in the cue scene, when R was showing uh, the new gadget for Bond to wear, he was shown a really big parka uh, ski jacket that if you pulled the tabs on, it made this bubble around you to protect you. This which thing is, was huge. Which was awesome and a really cool gadget, except for the fact that now that Bond is out on the slopes, he is wearing a ski suit, not a parka, and it fits him like a glove. Pierce Brosnan, we've already said this uh, and probably made some people uncomfortable, very sexually attractive man, uh, very <laughs> handsome man. This this ski suit fits him like a glove. There is not a chance in hell that <laughs> anywhere on his person is he wearing this massive parka we saw at Q Branch. I mean, that thing was so thick and huge, like it dwarfed, what did you call him, R? Yes. Like, it, it dwarfed, it swallowed him. It was like, I mean, it fit, but it was just, it was huge. Uh, John Cleese, also a very, very, very tall man. <laughs> um, paragliders attack uh, Electra and Bond. 
uh, they're snowmobiles with parachutes. So not only are they not dangerous, but they're super slow and awkward. Um, they could have come in in helicopters. They could have come in in airplanes. They could have come in on skis. They could have come in on foot. But no, they picked the thing that was apparently the leisure activity of the Alps of that day. And they were like, no, these look cool. Uh, no, they don't. Uh, Bond activates his uh, coat bubble uh, without a coat after an avalanche uh, collapses, which is a really cool shot scene. Um, and uh, Electra is just freaking out. And she is actually emoting, which is going to be very different than what she does for the rest of the movie when <laughs> she doesn't. Until she does. Yeah. Uh, Sophie Marceau, uh, English is not her first language. She is a French actress. Gives such an uneven performance in this film. She is all over the place. Um, not the worst performer in this film by far. Uh, I actually think she's feeding off of Pierce Brosnan in most of the scenes that she's in. She's doing the best she can with the material she has. It's just bonkers it is it is not good <laughs> um so after after we leave the slopes uh electric comes on to bond and he uh he turns her down and we're supposed to think yeah you're not a sexist even though you totally stripped your doctor down to her skivvy so you could uh seduce her into giving you a medical you're not a creep you're not a creep at all he then immediately goes to a casino where he ogles women with x-ray specs bond you're sending mixed signals <laughs> he literally could have said he if, if he's going to be a pig in this movie he could have easily been like oh uh let's not mix business and pleasure at least not yet i mean if you're going to be a pig just lean into it but no, he's got to be uh, virtuous until he's not. <laughs> uh, we come to find out that uh, Bond has gone to visit uh, Sikovsky from uh, Goldeneye. Uh, Mini Driver is not around, uh, which is a shame because she was a really good part in that movie. <laughs> um, instead, we find Sikovsky is with a couple of hookers who get sent away without hooking, but they still get paid, uh, which they really like. Um and at this point, I noticed that Sikovsky's bar is really lame. He has like, I want to say he has ten different types of booze. Yeah. And approximately five of them are different vodkas. <laughs> and then there are there is nothing else to mix into anything. Yeah. It is. It's a shallow bar. There's not much there. It's just okay, guys. I. I might be giving myself away as an alcoholic, but <laughs> when I go to a bar, I like to know that they can mix me up, you know, an old fashioned or a margarita or pretty much anything, you know, a Tom Collins. A, oh, what now? It's a drink. Google it. Okay. <laughs> um, but. Literally, I think he has the makings for approximately three cocktails at this bar. And I'm I'm not impressed. This is supposed to be living it up at a casino. Yeah. And it's just lame. Uh, but what do I know? I just uh, respect women and have a job where I don't get shot at all day. <laughs> Ladies. Uh, uh, Electra shows up. Uh no one is talking around them once again filled casino 
filled casino. No one is talking. Uh, she goes and gambles a lot of money on a high card game, which is suspicious as hell. Uh, Bond knows something's up, but he's not sure what. Uh, at this point, uh, we go over and we meet Robert Carlyle as uh, Renard, the villain of the piece. And my note right here is that Robert Carlyle is too good for this movie. He does not fit in this movie at all. He is acting circles around everyone in this movie. His character has motivation. His character has drive. At any given point, I actually feel sympathy for this villain. No one else in this movie, with the exception of possibly Judy Dench is in, yeah. is remotely on the same level as him acting-wise in this movie. I'm not saying that the other people are worse actors. I'm saying in this movie, they are worse actors. <laughs> uh, I digress. We're going to keep moving and try not to focus on how bad this movie is. <laughs> um, so, uh, Renard is talking with two of his uh, people, including one of the guys is uh, Electra's head of security. Uh, and he threatens the head of security and then kills the nuclear physicist uh, because... Apparently, Renard used to work for Spectre, and that's what his old boss used to do, is, I'm going to kill you. Nope, shot the guy next to you. Um, at this point, Bond has sex with Electra, because why not? He's done pretending that he's virtuous in the slightest. There is absolutely no professional distance uh, at all for him in this film. Uh, he then snoops around using a uh, product placement visa, credit card lockpick, uh, and uh, Davidoff is the name of the head of security. And Bond takes his place after he uh, just straight up cold-blooded murders him. Uh, so Bond is taking Davidoff's place, who is taking the doctor's place. I don't know if anyone else is confused, but I am. <laughs> uh, Bond goes to a plane and performs fake IDs 101 uh, using his Universal Exports ID. Uh, and at this point in the film, we are introduced to... Hands down, the worst Bond girl in cinematic history. <laughs> I'm calling it here. Lana Wood as Plenty O'Toole in, uh, in the film Diamonds Are Forever was not this bad. <laughs> Had less screen time because she wasn't good. And Denise Richards should have. <laughs> she is so awful. I I experienced hell while watching this movie. <laughs> there was weeping and gnashing of teeth every time she would give lines. Guys, it was awful. So I wanna I wanna I wanna sit you down in, in the way that I'm sure the, the script writers sat down with Barbara Broccoli. And and I wanna I wanna feed you how this is supposed to go. All right, so all right, we know that Bond is a sexist pig, and we know that the power dynamic is that he's gonna just always be domineering, and he he's just always making sure women are, are down in their place, which is you know misogynistic. It's awful. He hates women. So guys, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have. We're going to have a nuclear physicist who's who's a woman and she's beautiful and she owns her sexuality, but she also owns, you know, her smarts. And, and guys, this is going to be brilliant. We don't get any of that, guys. Nope. None of that. She stands around and poses 
and then literally plays Captain Obvious with everything. Bond will say something that says what is going on in the situation. He knows more about nuclear bombs in this movie than she does. Yeah. When it comes time, spoiler alert for a little while from now, to disarm the nuclear sub, Bond is the one who does all the work. <laughs> she literally pushes a release button. That's all she does. This character is awful. And shame on the writers of this movie. Shame on Denise Richards for reading the script and saying, yeah, I'll do this. And shame on the director for not taking the out they had with Terry Hatcher and going, uh, darling, uh, I think it would be powerful if we killed you off here. Um, oh, God, I need to take a break. I'm getting worked up talking about this. When we come back, we're going to find out how bad this movie gets. And believe me, it gets worse. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. We are in the suck zone. <laughs> this movie only gets worse. Yes. If you want to fast forward to the end, I'll give you a hint. Bond wins and has sex with a girl. If not, <laughs> here we go. So Bond goes in and absolutely just botches the mission. Oh, this is after uh, Denise Richards delivers the line. Don't make any jokes. I've heard all of them. Because her name is Christmas. Her name is Christmas Jones. And Bond goes, I don't know any doctor jokes. And it's <laughs> like, uh, it's just, oh, uh, stop it. Stop it. Anyhow, Bond botches the mission. Renard gets away, but not before uh, he he gives away that effectively things are a little bit friendlier between him and Elektra than they should be. Uh, Bond escapes out of just sheer dumb luck. Just dumb luck. He outruns fire. Yeah. He outruns fire. He is climbing a ladder gingerly and outruns fire. Oh, this movie. Uh, so at this point in the movie, uh, Elektra calls him suspiciously. She's like, she's like, um, it'd be really great if you could come out. I know you have people out, but maybe you could come out. I know you're the head of MI6, but maybe you could. It's just uh, it's so suspicious. And it's like, yes, dear, I feel guilty. So I'll come out there for plot reasons. Uh, Bond confronts Electra because even he knows that her acting is bad. Um, she accuses Bond of uh, using her as bait. Uh, we find out that there's a problem at the pipeline, uh, and no one is reacting. And so I'm not sure what Sylvia Marceau's direction here was, but she goes, oh no, that's not good. I just emoted the same amount as Sophie Marceau, <laughs> maybe more. And no one in the room goes, hey, that's a weird reaction. <laughs> And no one else in the room is reacting. Yeah, they're just like typing on a keyboard or whatever, saying, I can't stop it. Like, it, it's literally no emotion. Literally, no. no, that's not good. When in reality, they would be freaking out. 
Uh, anyhow, uh, we get a, a pipeline chase. They get into a little scour that's that's going after the the stolen plutonium from the nuclear site. Um, oh, no one ever explained really why an American scientist was at a Russian nuclear site also <laughs> earlier. Yeah. But we're going to jump right over that because that is the least of this movie's problems. <laughs> uh, so in, in the pipeline, Bond literally has the device showing how close they are to the plutonium. Uh, they catch up with it. He locks onto the device. And as he locks on, he goes, hey, look, they stripped the screws. And Christmas Jones says, somebody tampered with the bomb. <laughs> he just said that, Christmas. <laughs> Shut up. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I like how angry you're still getting about that. Oh, Captain Obvious, just, ugh. Electra makes her heel turn just obvious to everyone in the room, because the obvious, are, the, the the audience already knows, and kidnaps M after her men just kill everyone except the named good guy characters. Uh, Renard uh, rejoins Electra after the pipeline blew up, they think with Bond in it. Uh, she offers M to Renard because uh, M is the one responsible for Renard's uh, just bullet acne. Um, <laughs> and uh, at this point, we actually get a scene with a good performance, and it feels completely out of place between Judy Dench and Robert yes. Carlyle. You have two actors who are across from each other, engaging with each other, reacting to what the other person is saying, and emoting appropriately. Yeah. And this scene should not be out of place. We should be going, man, it's awesome to see these two phenomenal British actors across from each other. But instead, we're going, it's really weird that this is the first and probably only scene in this movie where two people are in any way acting well. Yeah. <sighs> All right. We go over uh, to Sikovsky's uh, uh, caviar factory where he hams it up uh, right before the helicopters attack. Uh, we get an okay stunt scene. It has a little bit too much CGI for me, especially 1999 CGI. <laughs> uh, if you're curious what 1999 CGI uh, looks like, and you really want to test me on this, go watch Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I'll wait. It has better CGI than this film. No, I'll wait. Seriously. Two and a half hours. Go. Go. Right now. Did you watch it? It was a better movie. I'm. You watched a better movie. You thought I was tricking you? It's a better movie than this one. Congratulations. You at least got Duel of the Fates. This movie doesn't have that. Oh, I wish I would watch Phantom Menace. Anyhow, Bond blows up half of Istanbul. Uh, and uh, Now, if you shoot a bullet at Caviar, will it blow up? According to this, it will. Well, according to this, when you have a Caviar factory, you have a dozen barrels of gasoline around every Caviar bin. Yeah. But... The barrels are made of gasoline and C4. 
On top of that, you have paper thin walls on these barrels. So if someone looks at them wrong, they explode. They're all gonna explode. Yeah, and that's a, yeah, that's like. Um. So at this point, uh, we leave the scene, uh, and once again, I note that Robert Carlyle and Judy Dench are just in the wrong movie. They do not belong in this film. They are way too good. They are turning in performances with gravitas and meaning, and everyone else is not. <laughs> uh, we find out that Sikovsky's nephew is providing a submarine to Renard. Uh, that's what the payoff at the casino earlier was for. Uh, M sends a locator signal that was supposed to be on the nuke, uh, and that lets Bond and Dr. Jones uh, know where she is, uh, except they're grabbed by uh, Sikovsky's uh, henchman, Mr. Bullion, who's really, whoa, twist, uh, Renard's henchman. And God, the twists in this movie aren't even good. I should, I should be enjoying this, and I'm not. I'm just <laughs> angry. I'm angry all the time right now, guys. Christmas Jones is ruining this movie. Uh, anyhow, Sikovsky's men are dead from poisoning. Uh, uh, Sikovsky's cousin's men are dead from poisoning. Uh, and at this point, uh, Bond is brought before Sophie Marceau. And uh, she says, I could have offered you the world. And Bond says, the movie's title, The World is Not Enough. And she says something about it being a stupid sentiment. And he says, family motto. Uh, and he's then put into a sex torture chair uh, <laughs> that apparently was a thing in the Ottoman Empire where she twists the thing and it like does some weird, uh, I, I don't know, asphyxiation type stuff. And she's trying to seduce Kill Bond. <laughs> and... I'm not sure how he or we are supposed to feel about this scene, but everyone, including the actors, feel just uncomfortable. It's just odd. At this point, she shows off her mangled ear that's mangled via CGI, and so you're like, oh, I see where your ear should be, but the CGI has erased it. Sikovsky <laughs> uh, comes in and saves the day, um, and then promptly dies. Uh, because he gets shot. Uh, but in the process, he frees Bond. Uh, Bond chases Electra up the stairs. And up to this point, she's been at about, on the emotional level, about five. She's been kind of holding steady at right about here. I'm very, I'm very <laughs> waifish. I'm, I'm very seductive and waifish. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden, she's like, you wouldn't kill me, not in cold blood. And just like mocking. And just... <laughs> She turns it up to 11 and Bond chases her up the stairs and she goes, you wouldn't kill me, you'd miss. And then he shoots her and unfortunately he doesn't say the phrase, I never miss. Because he should have. <laughs> uh, but promptly after killing Electra, he creeps on her corpse in a way that is unsettling. And we knew that Bond had some boundary issues. We knew he had a sex addiction. He is apparently also a necrophiliac because <laughs> he also did the same thing to his ex in Tomorrow Never Dies. It's gross, guys. <laughs> it's not just it's not just gross because you're uncomfortable about seeing another person's sexuality on screen. It's just gross. 
Um, at this point, Bond decides that in order to get to the submarine, instead of, you know, either jumping really quick off the balcony or running down the stairs and then diving into the water, he needs to stand up on the balcony of this massive lighthouse. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with what lighthouses are, but they're these tall towers built right next to and on top of very jagged rocks to make sure that ships don't hit the rocks. Bond is standing at the top of the lighthouse, spreads his arms like a bird after taking off his beautiful linen suit. The second best thing about this movie is Bond's linen suit. <laughs> and then dives. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know, if there were Olympic judges, Pierce Brosnan's Bond would get a 9.75. They would take off a little bit because he was hamming it up. But that <laughs> dive is so perfect. James Bond should be an Olympic gold medalist every year at the Olympics. Ugh. He took the time for the form, too. Yeah. It was... Uh, no, it's really important, guys. We need to get to this sub. Ugh, I'm just getting angrier. I'm I'm going to turn into the Incredible Hulk. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming no, because not. of this movie. <laughs> I'm wearing stretchy pants. Uh, so, Bond then clears the submarine uh, all by himself. Because... Um, Christmas Jones is just like tied up or is she? she I think she's just standing around. <laughs> uh, he bottoms the boat and the boat starts flooding while Renard is in the, in the core trying to melt the reactor down. And so at this point they're locked out of the reactor room. And so the plan is, all right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in this flooding chamber uh, Dr. Jones, you you can count to ten and get over there, right? Uh, and once you get in there, you can you can take you can let me in. I'll take I'll distract Renard while you take care of the reactor. You can do that, right? No, Bond leaves her in the flooding room and swims around, and he's going to do all the legwork. <laughs> she is a nuclear physicist. Literally, this is her bread and butter. Yeah, and. No, oh, you're you're gonna push the button because that's important. <laughs> so Bond swims around Renard, leaving uh, Doctor Jones to die. That's what <laughs> Just kidding, she's okay. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Like that's how it should have been. He was just tired of her uh, BS. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we all are. <laughs> Anyhow, at this point, Bond and Renard fight, and again, Robert Carlyle shouldn't be in this movie. He is fighting Bond, and and is like he is a black knight fighting for his lady. He's like, he's like, look, Elektra's worth so much. I'm doing this for her, and and Bond, being kind of a jerk, is like, she's already dead, and. And Renard, like, freaks the flip out and just loses it. And we get, again, a performance that does not deserve to be in this film. Should be in a much better movie. Yeah. 
and he just flips out on Bond and locks him up. Okay, so again, at this point in the movie, Dr. Jones, she is a doctor, a physicist of nuclear materials. She should be the one at this point totally dealing with the core, taking care of this while Renard's distracted. No, she stands cowering in a corner <laughs> through this whole scene. So Renard puts the, the, the plutonium into the cores. It starts to melt down. And then it knocks a hose loose and Bond's like, oh, loose hose. I'm in dad mode now. I'm going to plug the loose hose in. Plugs the hose in, which apparently is a hydraulic. And that's all that anyone needed to do. Hits the button and ejects the plutonium into Renard, impaling him. And he dies just disappointed at feeling what every audience member at this point is feeling. (laughs) Dr. Jones... Once again, we'll call her Dr. Obvious because she doesn't deserve the captainship. (laughs) Dr. Obvious at this point goes, well, we need to make sure that we scuttle the boat so we don't leave a mess. What now? (laughs) (sighs) Bond has already said we need to make sure that we don't allow this to, you know, get anywhere. Yeah. And she literally is just repeating things at this point I'm that she's heard various people say through the movie. Yeah. <sighs> and so we we get the scene where she doesn't even blow up the sub. Bond blows up the sub. Uh-huh. And they swim to safety. All right, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna end this as quickly as I can. Uh, we then zoom out. She and Bond are in in Istanbul, Turkey. They're sharing a glass of champagne on the balcony. We then go over to MI6 where they're searching for Bond via heat signature because no one else is in Turkey. No one else is in Istanbul. Heat signatures only apply to Bond and and Christmas Jones. Now, this would, in another 1999 film, be a great plot twist that everyone's dead except these two characters. Yeah. And it would explain why everyone's around but no one is talking in any of the scenes that Bond is in, is that everyone's dead. But no, that's not the reality of the film. (laughs) They just find their heat signatures where they are in coitus, And we then get the closing line of the film. The period at the end of this dreadful sentence. I thought Christmas only came once a year. (laughs) I thought Christmas only came once a year. I love all the looks the cats are giving you right now. (laughs) Why? 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 Sorry for anybody who's uh, wearing earbuds. (laughs) I'm sorry for anyone who watched this movie and then listened to this. Guys, I'm sorry. I don't work on the James Bond films after doing this podcast. I'm pretty sure I never will. Um... (laughs) But guys, on behalf 
of the Broccoli Estate on behalf of Sir Ian Fleming, on behalf of Judy Dench, Robert Carlyle, and everyone else involved in this movie, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a bad joke, a bad punchline, and a bad movie. Yes. Guys, we made it. We made it to the <laughs> end of this travesty of filmmaking. We made it to the end of a film that, on a positive note, I want to leave you with a good taste in your mouth. This movie made me appreciate Star Wars The Phantom Menace as a better film in this year. (laughs) This movie made me appreciate The Sixth Sense for actually using the plot premise of everyone being dead. This movie made me appreciate the fact that I'm not going to have to watch this movie again. Ever. My question for you is, before this, have you ever actually seen this movie? I've seen this movie, but the last time I watched it beginning to end, not I turned it on, fell asleep, and woke up for the bad punchline, was I was a teenager. Okay. I was a teenager, and I this, this movie and the next movie feel like they were written by a 13-year-old where we want to play with toys but boobs are cool. (laughs) And they have all of the maturity and experience in dealing with the opposite sex of a 13-year-old. That is to say, none. (laughs) I, guys, this was rough. I mean, I didn't like diamonds are forever because it was a bad movie and it it took place in a different era but guys this in a lot of circles would be considered a quote-unquote modern movie (laughs) guys yeah oh i am so sorry now as much as i would love to be able to tell you that next week's movie is better it is not it is remarkably worse but I will give you a glimmer of hope that next week's movie is so bad. Guys, it's good. It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. I I I just want you to sit back, have a mojito, and just <laughs> guys watch Halle Berry in her follow-up to her best actress performance as the second worst Bond girl in history after Christmas Jones. Guys, I want you to see Pierce Brosnan's last film and you understand why it's uh, not his last film God, he had several after yeah. this uh, his last Bond film and guys you understand why it's his last Bond film after you see it it's bad it makes A View to a Kill seem like a solid movie <laughs> guys I want you to come back next week for the beautiful disaster that is Die Another Day Thank you for bearing with us. Thanks for hanging with us. Guys, pray for me. I need it. This episode about broke me. (laughs) I will see you next week. See you around. Bye.